whether it's advocating for young girls in Afghanistan, being sold into marriage at the age of 11, or telling the stories of young Peshmerga Kurdish fighters entering the battlefield at the age of 14. The goal of this program and this platform has always been to tell the stories of those fighting for freedom. And our topic today, while it hits much closer to home, is also a story about the fight for freedom. Welcome to The Foreign Desk. I'm Lisa Daftari. I maintain, and I always have, that we live in the world's best country, but what's happening now is testing our resolve to fight for that country. For many of us, we don't trust the government, we don't trust the media, we don't trust our children's schools, but that doesn't mean we have to surrender. That means we have to fight. We fight to remind them that that freedom didn't come for free. They have fought for it for generations before us. And if we don't fight now, our children and the generations that come after us won't even know about that freedom. And so we continue to fight. And we lean on people like Sharon McKeeman, my guest today. Sharon is the mother of four, an author, an educator, an advocate, and founder of the Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose movements. These are the grassroots parents groups that are responsible for the successful law school to uh, successful lawsuit to reopen California schools during the pandemic. And just this week, congratulations, Sharon, um, she was successful in having a judge strike down the San Diego Unified School District student uh, vaccine mandate that would have had children that are not fully vaccinated by the end of winter break be forced out of the classroom. Uh, the group is also in litigation against the state's uh, forced uh, mask mandate, and she's gonna tell us all about that as well. Welcome to the program, Sharon. Thanks so much, I'm really happy to be here. Well, this is huge news, and, and um, I know you and I have been in touch, and we've been, we had this date on the calendar, obviously, <laughs> we were waiting for, for Monday's um, case to, to be announced, and congratulations. I want to I want to kind of go backwards and forwards, and I want I want to cover it all with you because obviously you are leading the charge of this this fear that so many parents have for their children uh, K through twelve, and you're leading the charge. And, and you're a mom. You're you know you're 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 trained as just being a passionate mother, which is I think so wonderful for so many people to hear. What does it feel like from where you're sitting right now? Well, this was a huge win, and I'm just thrilled on behalf of our whole community. We have over 30,000 parents involved uh, with Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose, and and I'm relieved that you know this is the best uh, holiday gift <laughs> that we could give our community. That families can just be together and enjoy the holidays. You know, obviously, it's still a difficult time, but knowing that those families that are in San Diego Unified. They're not going to be pressured uh, into, you know, making this medical decision uh, and their kids can remain in the classroom and then state and nationwide. I think there's a lot of eyes on it because people are concerned about this government overreach. They're concerned that parents aren't being listened to. Right. And so, you know, I, I've been telling people we didn't draw the line in the sand. Uh, it was already there. The law exists. We just laid it bare. We just did the hard work to bring it into the courtroom and hold this school district accountable. And I think that really shows uh, what can be done across the state of California and around the country. Well, is that what you, you expect for the cross? Well, let's start with the state of California because it's a difficult place to get this stuff right. through. So I think a lot of people are thinking if California can do it, we can do it. Um, do you expect these kinds of verdicts across the state? Let's just speak about California for now. I don't want to get into other you know, jurisdictions. Um, or, you know, are there any foreseeable challenges and obstacles that stand in the way? Or are you are you expecting positive outcomes from here on out? 
Well, uh, I've been telling people that what I've learned about legal action so far is that it's a sprint and a marathon at the same time. What's happening to our kids is so urgent. We have to work so hard and so quickly. And at the same time, it's a marathon. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot of legal wrangling that takes place. It takes persistence. Uh, the powers that be would love if we just gave up. Uh, we're still in the middle of litigation against the mask uh, mandate. And mm -hmm. we initially mm -hmm. had that dismissed. Now we've got a request for reconsideration. Uh, and so, you know, I've learned that it, it takes persistence. You can't give up. But at the same time, when it comes to this decision on the uh, uh, the vaccine mandate with San Diego Unified, it was so clear. I, we told San Diego Unified before they even discussed, uh, you know, had the meeting where they were going to vote, that if they passed this mandate, we would pursue litigation. In the meeting, they said there was going to be a discussion. Uh, th there wasn't. They had Senator Pan spoke at that meeting. They limited, I think there were almost 2,000 parents that wanted to speak in opposition of the mandate, and they only let a, a very small fraction of them speak. They didn't have anyone from the other side speak. So there was no discussion, and, and we knew it was a clear legal issue. And so when, when we got to court, the judge agreed with all of our arguments, which is that there's a lot of precedent showing that schools don't have authority to just arbitrarily mandate new vaccines. The judge call said that uh, schools can't have a patchwork of vaccines across the, the state. Right. And that's what we're seeing. Even, uh, you know, the small amount of schools that have passed these COVID vaccine mandates, it's creating absolute chaos. Uh, he also agreed that, um, uh, you know, the childhood list went through the legislative process and part of that is that any new vaccines, uh, there has a personal belief exemption that has to be honored. And no schools can force uh, students into distance learning, you know, based on a, a vaccine that's outside of that legislated list. And so I think it was very clear. He said that, yes, schools can have policies, but those policies can't contradict state law. So anything, you know, moving forward, we are, uh, we're going to be taking action on behalf of parents in s quite a few other public, private and charter schools. And we're expecting those to be similar decisions to this because the legal issues are pretty clear. Uh, San Diego Unified has uh, just voted to say that they are going to appeal. Mm -hmm. So that is something That's we just found question. out. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> one second, let's let's walk yeah. people through the timeline here. I mean, I have 75,000 questions myself and I imagine <laughs> that's going through the minds of other people as well. Um, so I, I do wanna get back to how you started this and why you started, but let's, let's stick with this current uh, decision. It's a tentative decision, right? So what does that mean, A, and B, the lawyer from the school district did say after Monday that they are weighing out their options, which I want, I want you to tell us what those options may be. And now on Tuesday, which is yesterday, the day after the decision came out, the school board unanimously voted in a closed door meeting. Again, guys, watch what's going on here. Yeah. They invited the parents. They didn't let most of them speak. They obviously knew that there is a lot of opposition to this. Then when they wanted to vote uh, uh, for the appeal, it was a closed door meeting. So no parents were invited to that. And now they are going to appeal the decision. So what does this mean in the scheme of the decision that you received on Monday? Well, first of all, right now, thankfully, the decision does stand as a final ruling. Monday was a really exciting day uh, in that at 9 a.m., the judge gave a tentative ruling based on the written filings that had been going back and forth between the attorneys and him for the past couple of weeks. Uh, and then there was a recess and all of the attorneys were out in the hallway coming up with what their oral arguments would be. And then at 10 a.m., 
Uh, the judge heard oral arguments for about an hour or so. And then he did say that the tentative ruling in our favor stood as the final ruling. And we just late uh, later in the day yesterday uh, received the actual written documents of that final ruling. Um, so it, it, there is a final ruling in place. And something interesting that I've seen is obviously there was a lot of media coverage of this. Um, but as soon as San Diego Unified made that announcement to appeal, I was having media reach out to me kind of going, oh man, you only had 24 hours. And <laughs> you know, are you, one even aired a soundbite of me saying that we were disappointed. Well, the full soundbite is that we're disappointed. And I went on to say that disappointment lies in San Diego Unified, that they are not listening to parents and they're still continuing to use taxpayer dollars to fight uh, these legal issues that are so clear that they're outside of the law. So um, there is a final ruling in place their appeal does not in any way um, overturn that ruling at this point. Uh, the students do not have to get the COVID vaccine. They can remain in their classrooms. Uh, they haven't even filed an appeal at this point. They've just said they <laughs> are going to. And so I think it's kind of comical in this climate that, that you know, there's, there's influences out there trying to, to make it out to sound like in any way San Diego Unified saying that they're planning to file an appeal affects a judge's um, ruling that their mandate is it's struck down. It's ended right now. No, the only and thing that tells me is that they're out for out for the kids. That, yes, that's all yes. tells me they're not listening yeah, to the yeah, law. Yeah. Um, what what was really it's it's really stood out to me like this is crazy talk um, is that the reason why the school board doesn't want to allow exemptions is that they're afraid people are going to use it as a loophole. <laughs> I mean, you can say that about anything in life. Like, don't let little kids go to the bathroom, be you know, during class because you know they're going to use it as a loophole to get out of their you know studies exactly. and tests and quiz. I mean, you can really apply that to anything in life. What what is that? Well, they they were saying basically they don't want to allow exemptions because they'll they're afraid that so many families will feel that something they need to use that they would use it. Well, yes, that's the point. A personal belief exemption is is supposed to be honored because parents are supposed to be able to say personally, I believe that our family uh, doesn't want to or shouldn't get this vaccine right now. And there's so many families in our group that they're not you know, we're not anti-vax. Uh, we have people in our group that are vaccinated, but they're against these mandates, right? Um, but I would say the majority of parents want to take a wait and see approach. They want to see, is is there actually yeah. efficacy? Sure. Uh, wh why get a, a child a shot if they've already had COVID? And the, you know, we're seeing that even even those, you know, that are getting it are still transmitting. And, you know, it just, they're, they're just going, hey, the rhetoric doesn't make sense. So let's slow down and talk about it. Um, and I think the biggest thing that families want to see is they want to see those long-term studies. Um, you know, they, sure. they don't want to be rushed into a decision. And so there's a lot of families, they're not saying they won't ever get it. They're just saying, hey, let's, let's slow down here. Let's be able to dialogue. And mm -hmm. then there's other families that whether it's due to family history or medical condition or just personal beliefs that they're not planning to and, and they don't want to be pushed out of their their academic community. So at the same time that we're pursuing this legal action, we have resources on our website for parents to reach out to their representatives and advocate to make sure that this is also protected legislatively, that, uh, you know, if they're concerned about this being added to the childhood list or they're concerned about protecting personal belief exemptions, that's another part of this. So, you know, really our advocacy and our legal action goes hand in hand. Um, and that's 
been a really important part of what we've been doing because mm -hmm. there's so many parents in California thought there were no personal belief exemptions at all. And so we've right. been able to help raise awareness of actually there are for new vaccines because you don't, you, you can't protect something if you don't even know you have a right to it, you know? Correct. That's right. That's right. And you're bringing that to light for so many people. And I'm going to get to that about, you know, the, the way that you can help people and, and how they can can look to you uh, to, <laughs> to uh, carry out, you know, their own um, lawsuits and such. But let me rewind a bit. Uh, tell us about the history of this organization. I, I, I'm so glad you pointed out that you are not anti-mask and anti-vax, but you are anti-mandate. And that's a very <laughs> important point because I make that point myself. I am vaccinated and I, I think whoever believes they should be, should be. Um, but we're not going to enforce it upon those who don't want to be, whether it's, you know, masking up or vaccinating or especially when the metrics keep changing on us, as you said. Um, you know, when did this this idea start? How did you start it? Uh, how did you link up with like-minded people? I imagine, um, well, San Diego is probably a friendlier place than Los Angeles, but I imagine that there are those who are calling you a child killer because you don't want kids <laughs> to get vaccinated. Um, but, you know, talk, talk a bit about, you know, the challenges and how you started and how you got to where you are now. Well, I mean, you brought up one of the biggest challenges, which is there. there's unfortunately a lot of hate and, and fear mongering out there. And it's really sad, you know, because I, from the start, have been about let's focus on what kids need. Let's focus on choice. Uh, we shouldn't be de demonizing each other. Let's dialogue. Uh, and you know, I receive, I receive threats. I receive people saying mean things about me or, or saying, you know, the, the one that makes the least sense is that if they feel that I'm not complying with COVID safety measures, that I should die of COVID. Um, you know, that's just, it doesn't make sense. And it's, it's just a mean thing to say. And so I've really been focused from the start on let's build community we have a very diverse community. We're vaccinated and unvaccinated, all political spectrums, all faiths or non-faiths, uh, standing together for choice. So I, um, in the past, had been involved in a charter school. Uh, right now, all of my kids for the past several years are in a publicly funded five-day-a-week traditional school. But in the past, they'd been part of a publicly funded charter school where they did have a few days at home. Uh, and so we had moved them into the public school system because we were just at a point in our life where even a hybrid model was not working for us. And right after we did that, uh, the school shut down, down. And I had one son especially that was really struggling uh, academically and emotionally. And I didn't know if he was gonna survive that first year of the lockdowns and it wasn't due to COVID, it was due to the mental health impacts and uh, his inability to connect um, you know, it, with his academic community through a screen. And so when people ask me, well, don't you care about safety? Absolutely, I care about safety. And what we've been forgetting during this time is the mental health impact um, on our children. The AAP finally came out recently and, and acknowledged that our kids are in a mental health crisis uh, due to what's gone on during the pandemic. So that's where it all started for me, advocating for students. If a student wanted to stay home on distance learning, they should be able to. But if students need to be in the classroom, they should be able to. And so we were kind of part of a very, very grassroots community effort um, that ended up, I ended up being part of that uh, lawsuit that successfully reopened schools. And the minute that schools were open, I was so thankful, but I knew my kids weren't back to an effective in-person education because of the forced masking. Again, if someone wants to wear a mask, if it's helpful, they, they feel that they should be, they should absolutely be able to. It's a free country. Um, however, 
you know, at this point, the vaccines are available. Uh, we're going to have to live with this virus long term. Children have to be able to make that uh, choice to share their smiles, to connect, to unmask if they want to. And so I founded Let Them Breathe. It grew extremely quickly because there were so many parents concerned. When I founded it, it was like you couldn't even talk about unmasking. You know, it was completely taboo. I'm medically unable. And so I'd gone through a lot of harassment and discrimination um, just for having a bare face. And I was seeing our country's going backwards. You know, we, no one should be segregated because of a medical condition or because of a choice. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had some really large marches. We had some really positive events and uh, then went forward with litigation <laughs> because we sent a demand letter to the state asking them to give our kids mass choice. They didn't. So we sued them. We're still involved in that litigation. Uh, and uh, we had some pretty big wins there as well. We got the state to admit that their quarantine and testing uh, guidelines are just recommendations, that schools mm -hmm. are not required to follow them. And then also uh, we got the admitted in court that there's no language in the state guidance that says uh, students that unmask have to be forced into distance learning. So we haven't gotten rid of that mandate yet, but we have really... Um, you know, established a lot of choice. And we've been partnering with a lot of school boards and directors, trustees, principals all over the state um, who are now saying, okay, we understand there's a state mandate, but we're not going to enforce in a way that excludes students from the classroom. We're going to make sure they get to stay in their classroom. So that's a huge win. Uh, and then it was just that next logical step of when these, these uh, COVID-19 vaccine mandates were coming out. Again, we're not anti-vax, but it's a very new vaccine and, and families should have that choice. So uh, it, San Diego Unified's mandate was right in our backyard. It's the second largest school district in the um, state. And so it, it definitely made sense to make a stand for choice and, and file a lawsuit against them. Wow. I mean, it's it's tremendous. Obviously, it's not something people go to sleep thinking, I'm going to sue the governor when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> right? I need to make this happen. Um, look good for you. Um, and, and I want to, I'm sure people want to be walked through the process of how they do that too. But before I do that, you know, a lot of the language obviously coming out of these lawsuits uh, or the precedent that is set is that it has not been mandated by the state or it, it is, it, it falls within the jurisdiction of the state. What happens when the state takes this upon themselves and says, ah, Ah, we know how to fix this. We will mandate it. Um, what happens then, first of all? And second of all, um, do we have any recourse from your position? Well, there's there's kind of two different aspects. One is the mandate aspect. So when we look at the, the mask mandate uh, lawsuit, that was actually dismissed um, because the state was able to hide behind the emergency order. But we've gotten a request for reconsideration, which is not easy to get, because uh, a few days after our hearing, the governor had to extend his emergency order because it was about to expire. And when he extended it, it, he narrowly tailored it mainly just to healthcare settings. So we're arguing to the judge, you need to reconsider our lawsuit because the emergency order at this point doesn't actually give authority to CDPH to be mandating this in schools. And so what we're seeing is there's a backing up of these mandates because the governor knows there's litigation coming against his emergency order. You know, the, the state, I don't think that they will ever step in and say, schools, you must 
bar students that are unmasked from class because they're they're passing that buck of how to enforce to the schools and putting them in that horrible catch-22 because they know this is a legal minefield. And so that's why it's really important to point out exactly where those lines are drawn with the mandates because um, there's been a lot of intimidation on the state's end, but they've been passing the buck to schools, you know, local, county, and health. Uh, and then the other, the other side of that is the legislative part. And that's where, you know, when it comes to the vaccine mandate, yes, there's going to be a state vaccine mandate. They have said at some point, we've seen school districts saying that they won't enforce some school districts saying that we're seeing parents push back saying, you know, this, this isn't a statewide mandate that's needed um, at this point with the COVID vaccine for students. Uh, but again, there is a personal belief exemption protected by state law. So the most important thing that parents can do is reach out to their representatives and let them know they expect that to be honored uh, for the COVID vaccine not to be added to that list that doesn't have personal belief exemptions. Um, and so and that's something that whatever your political uh, affiliation is, you can reach out to your representative and say, we will never vote for you or anyone else in your party again if you do not honor this personal belief exemption. That is how important choice is to us in this matter. Uh, and, and that's something that we can all come together and, and unify on. And obviously it's, you know, it's for the best of our kids. Um, it, it shouldn't be a divisive thing, but a, a unifying thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, this is where the boot camp starts. Um, I want you to walk through a lot of this with us. I think that's what parents are here for, right? Um, how does how how do parents get started? And let, let me start with a, a basic question: Is there a difference between private school and public school with regards to what you're talking about? There is a difference between between private and public school. Uh, however, at this point, uh, you know, definitely they both carry uh, legal legal responsibility. So I'll just to kind of give a little preface that I um, will help as well. This kind of goes back to the where we're standing with this appeal process. Um, you know, not only are we right now the the vaccine the the ruling in the vaccine mandate lawsuit it echoes statewide. So mm -hmm. it. It's binding on San Diego Unified, but it doesn't mean that LA Unified's mandate is struck down. It doesn't mean that you know a private school in Northern California that their mandate isn't struck down. So yeah. um, we are working on moving forward with litigation with parents against those um, those schools that still have a mandate in place. But uh, what San Diego Unified has done by appealing is they've given us the opportunity to set binding statewide precedent. So it's really important because that appeal process may be lengthy to move forward um, with litigation against these other school districts. But mm -hmm. we're confident that we're going to win in the appellate court. And if we do, that would then set binding statewide. I, I shouldn't say if, when we do, that will set binding statewide precedent. Um, and so that's something that it, it would definitely apply to every school district in the state. Um, but not private. Um, I would have to double check on that. I am not an attorney. <laughs> I I have no, learned a whole lot through this process. More than, um, yeah, yeah. Yes. but the, yeah. So that's the that's the the big difference there between private and public. So you know, public schools, uh, every child has a right to their publicly funded education, um, and you know, a, a private school they there's a little bit different as far as as what their rights are, but at the same time, private schools can't just um, you know, they can't break the law. They can't deny students' rights. So no, instance, you might get to a place where the public school will have to allow, let's say, personal or religious mm -hmm. exemption, but the actual religious 
pub, private school <laughs> will not. <laughs> yes, yes. What we're finding is our our legal team is is working right now on moving forward with some legal action against private schools. And you know, there's they they they're honing in on what is the legal issue that we can take that private school to task over. Uh, so, for instance, um, you know, there's private schools that are mandating mandating this already for five and up. Well, you can't mandate something, even if you're a private institution, that is emergency use authorization. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's that's an important aspect of it. And and we're seeing private and charter schools saying, well, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Well, right. no, parents have they have paid you know money into into that institution for quite some time. Their children are connected to that community. There are harms that would be done to their child if they aren't um, able to commute uh, continue in that community. And then obviously it makes no sense. Uh, you know, there's no rational basis for a religious institution than not allowing religious exemptions. So there's a lot of different um, ways to come at it. And the good thing is that we're seeing some private schools are in communication with this about actually, you know, them them actually going after the state and say, and telling the state that the state is um, interfering with their discretion as a private business um, and, and standing with us. So. Uh, when, when you say, you know, how can parents get involved? What are the first steps? I would say the first the first thing is they don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> They're not alone. They don't have to do this on their own. Uh, our, the, our legal team has had several very important wins. They're in the middle of, of litigation, holding these school districts accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are holding uh, webinars and, and Zoom calls with parents that are interested in taking legal action. Uh, we are we have either already or are in the middle of legal action with multiple public, private, and charter school um, families. And the great thing is, you know, families a lot of times they don't want to get in a contentious relationship with their academic community. And so that, that is my next question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it yeah. seems like that's the environment, unfortunately, because, you know, you're either you think the way we think or, you know, you, you're you're not welcome here. And that's a very unfortunate circumstance of, of all mm -hmm. of this. Um, now, your organization, they, are, are your attorneys in-house? Are they pro bono? Are they um, how does it work if someone wants to approach your organization to get help? How much does it cost to launch one of these legal battles? I mean, how extensive is it? Um, are people's? I mean, I have a, a multiple questions about how this goes on, but just let's let's walk through it step okay. by step because I think these are these are the the logistics that people want to know. Yeah, they are. So that's the first question that many people ask: Am I going to have to have my name on this lawsuit? The answer is no. Uh, that is is the beauty of our our organization. Uh, you know, we're Let Them Breathe is a nonprofit. Um, we're formed as a nonprofit. We're working on that final, uh, you know, getting that final stamp of okay with the tax exempt status from the IRS, and um, we have put forward these lawsuits under the names of Let Them Breathe and Let Them Choose. And so parents don't have to be in any type of contentious uh, relationship with their schools. Um, and then, you know, the next we have kind of a, a system in place that has been working very effectively and, and successfully. So um, we have a, a legal team. There have been different people that have come on co-counsel. It's mainly uh, the law firm Honestad, Andalin and Korn uh, that we are working with. 
And we just do kind of an initial consult um, with parents just to find out what the situation is at this school. It's normally able to move very quickly because there's, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of schools that are in these same positions. And then uh, we have a lot of the work already done because we've we've done the legal research, we've sent the demand letters, we filed the lawsuits. And so we're able to just take that work that's already done and move very quickly um, and, and more affordably uh, because we're building on what we've already done successfully. And so, you know, parents aren't having to raise the money for a retainer and, and go out and find a law firm uh, and put their name on something wow. and then have people, you know, saying mean things about them in the Facebook group. They're able to just connect with us and then they can kind of discreetly behind the scenes support um, moving forward with with let them choose and and then our legal team just takes um, you know those aspects of what they've already the work they've already done and tailor it to that specific school and so you know for instance finding out the specifics of a private school of you know how exactly what is the specific issue um, you know that it needs to be tailored to or charter school mm-hmm. um, and then so for instance, yesterday we were just on a Zoom call with uh, Granada Hills Charter School up in LA. Mm-hmm. We are going to be sending a, a demand letter on, on behalf of parents there and then moving forward with litigation if they don't drop their mandate. And so before that meeting, we had created a graphic for them to share about their initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with let them choose leading the way so the parents aren't having to feel on the spot. And then we'd put together a, uh, a fundraising link for them. And uh, by, I think by this morning, the majority of the funds had already been raised for mm-hmm. that initial filing of the complaint. So it's, so, it's a joint effort, you know, where families have to support in their own community, but right. we're able to bring our platform and, and that fundraising to it to help amplify. Wonderful. And I will share all of that information. Uh, we have an article up already about your win um, on, on the Foreign Desk, foreigndesknews.com. And I will also share the link uh, to your website and ways in which your um, your, your platform can help. Uh, I want to also, you know, talk about how the, the, the process as a whole. So you first, I think we should talk micro to macro. You first send out a letter to the school, uh, basically, it's not a threat. It's basically a, a warning to say the, the law is on our side. We don't believe that you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And then what happens? Yeah. So we send out a demand letter. And what we've heard a lot of times from parents is they say, oh, I sent that. Well, <laughs> I hate to break it to them, but the school's legal counsel doesn't care <laughs> because, it can, you know, if they hopefully there's some trustees that care right? What, a, what a, a parent has to say. But what we're sending is a legal demand letter that has all the legal research that puts the, the legal counsel of the school district on notice that, you know, here's the legal issues and we're going to follow through with litigation. And so there's a demand, you know, drop this mandate by this date or we will carry through with litigation. Um, so that's the first step. And that's something that can be done pretty quickly. And then mm-hmm. the next step is uh, moving forward with filing an actual complaint, uh, mm-hmm. depending on you know, what, what the legal issue is. So for instance, if there's a school that has um, kept, uh, harassed a bunch of kids over unmasking, um, that may not be able to be something we could get a TRO for, right? Because it's been going on for a while. That may just have to go straight to a preliminary injunction. If there is a, a school that how long, is saying, to cut you off. how long yeah. do these, does this take? Because, you know, I, I'm, I know the legal process can, can, can be very long and tedious, particularly in a pandemic. The, the court's not open every day. Um, 
a lot of parents are, are worried that they just don't have time. And I know that yeah. you were up against the January 24th deadline in San Diego. Uh, I know we're, we're coming up on a lot of those deadlines in Los Angeles as well. A lot of parents are worried. How long does this whole thing take from, from contacting you to getting <laughs> that decision? Well, the good news is if there is a, a really urgent deadline uh, with you know a vaccination deadline, then it's actually easier to get a temporary restraining order that moves quicker. So if there's an urgent deadline, then it's more likely that we could get emergency relief from a judge. If there's not an urgent deadline, then it's more likely that you know it could take a few months to go through a, a preliminary injunction. Um, but again, anything that we're asking for, we are we are arguing to the courts that this is urgent, it's harming our kids, and it, it needs right. to happen quickly. And that's what we saw with San Diego Unified. We filed just shortly after they announced the mandate. Um, and, you know, we wanted to have this final ruling before the deadlines that they had given. But in court, they admitted that the deadlines they gave of before the holidays were just recommendations, and they weren't actually going to implement until the end of January. And so wow. that's when the judge said, okay, we have some time, let's do a full writ of mandate hearing that would settle this once and for all, instead of going through these injunctions that you'd still have to do further action to make stick, basically. Um, and so the courts take that into account and they they look at, you know, when is the deadline for when this will impact kids and and we're kind of able to move it at that pace. Um, but obviously the, the sooner that parents reach out, the better because there, you know, there's a lot of need here. Wonderful. I mean, um, and I and I urge those who have questions just to reach out. I think a lot of parents are on the fence. They don't know what they should be thinking. Mm -hmm. They know that some people are concerned about not getting their kids vaccinated and are hurrying to get the vaccine. And some parents are, you know, on the fence about, uh, you know, and some people, parents are very confident that they do not want their kids. But as you said, the point here is is, is the freedom. Um, another thing I notice, and, and you've done Can this. Can I throw in one other thing there real quick? Sure. Um, sure. I t we've been telling parents, you don't have to sign anything, right? You don't have to sign anything. And when in doubt, just wait and see. Uh, because there, there is so much legal action happening right now. Just wait and see what those results are. Um, and, and don't sign away any rights. We're hearing a lot of school districts yeah. asking parents, sign that you'll go to distance learning or sign that we can get funding if your kid's home on quarantine. Has there been any backlash against your kids? Um. Not that I know of. <laughs> I mean, I, I I am trying to do everything I can to advocate for my children and and definitely allow their lives to go on as as normal as possible. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I'm I definitely try to keep because them out of the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, while other people's names are not on these lawsuits, yours is. Um, yeah. And I and I know that that's a very courageous thing to do. And you're setting obviously a wonderful example of of, of fighting for what you believe in, plain and simple. But um, you know, I think it's it's interesting to look at the whole process and say, you know, this is what I've created from believing something to turning it into a movement to not being a lawyer and taking all of this um, legal action to get something done. And that's really the American way is to do it, you know, lawfully, <laughs> um, but with conviction and with passion. And that's exactly what you did. And I think the first time I called you, um, we talked about how you've really done a masterful job with the media. And uh, being being somebody who works in the media, um, I'll say, you know, you have, there, there are not too many 
slam pieces out there against you, <laughs> which is amazing given the topic. Um, and you know, I'll burn some sage for you after the show because I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I had someone reach out to me that that's close to me, and and one specific uh, media outlet had spent several weeks. <laughs> trying to put together a piece to smear me and they reached out and they said well they tried really hard to make you look bad and it didn't work um you know and it was funny because there were some things in the article that i you know i i talked to the editor after it was published i said you know you know these things aren't correct um and and you published it anyway and even that was just so it was just so silly you know you know people have been saying oh well she's a homeschool mom she doesn't have skin in the game well at some point i did homeschool my kids a couple days a week but they were still in a publicly funded school that is under this mandate right now and they're all in a five day a week school and regardless we all have to stand together in this whatever type of school your your kids go to and so you know if that's the worst that they can the you worst know, I read for. was they, they, they described you as an anti-vax, anti, anti-mask, anti-vax mom. And I know that that's not true and that's not what you yeah. stand for. So um, that's <laughs> fake news as usual. But yeah, um, I think, you know what, to, to just end this off on a, on a, on a, on a motivating uh, piece, I think um, it just it says a lot about what you've done and how um, you've done it. And I think, you know, seeing that the media comes to smear you, but then they stop dead in their tracks because they 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 see you as, as what you are. It's an honest mom um, really fighting for her kids and, and what she believes in. And I think, you know, that's that's what I want to ask you to, you know, what's the takeaway for you? What would be your advice to parents who are watching this and are, you know, fearful of taking the next step? And what, if it's if it's not fear, it can be that they are just. They, they feel like it's an uphill battle, particularly in places like New York City, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know, it is an uphill battle in many ways. Just to even think these thoughts is, is, is <laughs> right. kind of taboo, um, yeah. let alone to act on them. Um, what's 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 your message to parents who are sitting there wanting to do something but not finding the courage? Well, I'll say I, to tie that in with what we just talked about with the media, I mean, what we just mentioned, that was, that's even the, the smallest sliver, right? Like they're, the relationships that I've built through this, that's really been the silver lining. The other parents that I've come together with, the, the, the amazing groups that I collaborate with, and even the media. I mean, the majority of the media, uh, I, they're real people. I've built great relationships with them. I'm so thankful for every single one um, that, that trusts us to talk with us and, and share our message and understand that we are just parents that want choice. And so I think, you know, that's something just for parents to know that even the things that seem seem scary or that are, may seem overwhelming, um, really the majority of it, it has been very positive, um, very encouraging. The amount of support I get far outweighs any of the, the threats or the negativity. Um, and, and they're not alone. Whatever, I, I tell people, you do not have to do it all yourself. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Find a group that's already out there that is advocating for what you're passionate about and join in. But you do have to do something uh, because every parent's skill set is needed. Every parent's heart is needed. And so, you know, the, the most important thing is just to take whatever that next step is that, that's on their heart. And when you reach out and you, you find, oh, goodness, there's already the support out there. There's already the network out there. There's probably a parent listening right now that is wondering, oh, my goodness, um, I, I think legal action needs to be taken against my school district. But I'm, I'm a little nervous about reaching out to, to let them breathe and let them choose. 
they may reach out and find out there's already 15 or 50 parents at that school mobilizing to do exactly the same thing. Uh, and they're not alone. And, you know, there's, we try to just lead with a smile. So everything comes from a place of positivity and unity. Uh, and so there's, you know, it's not just legal action, it's advocacy. I mean, I have every single day school board trustees contacting me mm -hmm. asking, you know, what, what what can you do to support us on this? What do you think about this? Guess what? We just passed a resolution, uh, you know, for parents, uh, for vac choice. Um, we uh, Congressman Issa passed uh, presented a bill uh, to commend parents for their you know for their their action um, and and speaking up for their kids and and they you know they reached out to us and let us know about that. So you know there is a lot of support and those. Steps that feel scary if if parents take those. I mean, we're we're about a positive, peaceful movement, and so when they join in, they're going to find that there's so much encouragement and so much support. And it won't fix everything overnight, but they'll start seeing those changes in their community, and they'll they'll start having more hope for the you know what's going right. on with their kids, and it'll be worth it. Right, or at the very least, uh, linking up with like-minded people that gives yeah. them you know a community and a sense of of, of togetherness. Um, I will link all of your platform, your, your website, your, but but tell them where they can find you for, for people who, who want to at least get some information, website or social media, whatever you'd like to share. Absolutely. So everything right now can be found at letthembreathe.net. We'll be launching letthemchoose.net soon. But if they go to letthembreathe.net, they can click the lawsuit tab to find our mask mandate lawsuit. They can click the let them choose tab to find everything advocacy and legal related to uh, the vaccine mandates. And then they can also find our social media there. Our Instagram at let them breathe with an underscore after each word is a great place to see like the real time um, <laughs> things as they happen. And then also make sure to sign up for our newsletter on our website uh, because obviously there's a lot of censorship out there. That's the best way to make sure they're getting all of the resources. And we have a radio show. So we'll have to have, I know you're very busy, but we'd love to have you come on that as well um, at to. some point. <laughs> I would love to. And thank you. I thank you for your work. I thank you for choosing freedom, plain and simple. I think that that's really the most important work that you're doing out there. You're you're really a pioneer and um, paving the way for so, so many people. And thank you so much for being here. I know you're very busy. You've had a million meetings. <laughs> I know even late last night you were on the news. So thank you. More power thank to you. you. I hope we hear more good news out of San Diego and the rest of the state with your continued work. And uh, for the rest of you at home, if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, go to youtube.com slash Lisa Daftari. And to subscribe to our daily top 10 email, go to foreigndesknews.com. And I will see you all next week.